Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream, presented by Gettle. I'm your host, Alexis Downey. Exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center. Keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit gettle.com slash ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Very happy to welcome on ESPN hockey reporter Emily Kaplan now. Emily, great to catch up with you. How's your week going? I know it's only Monday, but how you doing? I'm good. I feel like I'm in Southern California right now because I live in Chicago and it's 60 degrees in February and I feel like the luckiest girl alive, the only time that uh, global warming is acceptable. But uh, <laughs> great to catch up with you, Alexis. You've been absolutely killing it this year. I'm just like so proud to watch you. So always great to catch up and always great to chat. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, We actually haven't had the warmest of weather in SoCal this year. It's been raining quite a bit. It's raining today, but over the weekend, we did finally have a, a nicer day. So just let you know how it is out here. Thank you for yeah, I know. I saw that Ducks graphic when I think it was Frank Bertrano said something like, we're going back to sunny SoCal and the Ducks, <laughs> yeah. uh, social medias were like, eh, not quite. It's so. been raining here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's one of those seasons for sure. So, uh, well, I just want to ask first off, like how, how has the season been for you, you know, in comparison to some of the uh, more recent years? Yeah. You know, this is year three for me and year three for ESPN having the NHL rights again. And Every year, I just feel more and more comfortable. Um, you know, I've been really mm-hmm. blessed with the opportunity to get reps. Unfortunately, those reps are in front of like hundreds of thousands or millions of people. So um, it was, you know, challenging year one of just kind of finding my voice. Year two, I felt better. And year three, I think we're in a really good groove. Um, the schedule is amazing. I get to go to so many great games. Unfortunately, a little too East Coast bias. I know that uh, <laughs> some Pacific fans might not like to hear that, but it's just the way things go. So I'm excited to get back out West soon, hopefully. But uh, a lot of New York, a lot of Boston, a lot of Pittsburgh, those teams, Washington, uh, we still cover pretty heavily. With the travel, do you have anything in particular you like to do when you're on the road? Any routines or anything? I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of friends in all the different cities at this point because you're traveling so much. Do, anything in particular you like to do? The one number one thing I like to do is just find something in that city that feels authentic. I think that it's so easy to get into the habit of just going to the hotel bar or getting room service <laughs> um, for a lot of writers on the road. It's like finding the local steakhouse or Irish pub that's nearby. So I always try to do something that's like either cultural, find a museum, find a cool restaurant that I've seen recommended, or just like go on a really long walk and take in a couple different neighborhoods. Like a lot of the time stadiums are in the central business district, which is cool but like that's not where the people live and we get such a blessing in this job to be able to travel the country so I just try to take advantage of it when I can. As far as getting to visit the different cities have you been to every arena yet at this point? You know, one of the ones that I haven't been to is Anaheim. And oh. I'm embarrassed to say that. Oh, it's okay. I know. You're going to get I out here. Had, <laughs> I know. I'm going to. And especially the way the ducks are trending with this rebuild, looking like it might end sooner rather than later. Um, I'm hoping that our schedule and programmers notice that for next year. And I think they will um, and add a couple more to our national slate. Actually, funny enough, we were going to add when the Edmonton Oilers were on their win streak. 
um, and they had the opportunity to break it in Anaheim. I was in Vegas and they were going to fly me out there. And I was like, mm. yay, exciting. <laughs> I finally got to see the Ducks. And lo and behold, they lost to the Golden Knights uh, mm. as they typically do. So it didn't get out there yet, but I will. Oh, well, when you do, we'll show you the ropes. I'll, you'll have to come into the studio too. I'll show you the studio here that I'm sitting in. But yeah, we'll, we'll make sure you get the full experience when you do. I love it. I can't wait. Breakfast burritos. Those are pretty big out here. I, I would say that might be uh, the cultural part of that. It. Oh, no. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't hate oh, it. Oh, you don't you know, hate that. Great. <laughs> I know it's bagels for you, but we we got a lot of the breakfast so burritos. The thing so. is, bagels is like, I'll only eat them in New York or New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I completely stay away. So with due respect, mm-hmm. I know there's like a lot of New York transplants probably out there, but I wouldn't trust the bagels anyway. Yeah, no, that's fair. Totally fair. On that end too, I mean, you were just part of the stadium series coverage that weekend and you did go get to go back to New Jersey. Did you get to see any family, get a bagel while you were there? Enjoy the time there? Sure did. And even better yet, I got to spread the gospel of bagels. Uh, Ray Ferraro, uh, my broadcast partner, finally sunk his teeth into a bacon, egg and cheese and understood what it was all about. But You know, I felt a little guilty. These stadium series games, like I got a little jaded about them. I was like, okay, we've done it. We've seen it. Like we know what a hockey game looks like outdoors. Mm -hmm. And then being there and especially in a state I grew up in, it's just so much a celebration of the community and the market and the fans make it what it is. And it was an absolutely electric weekend. Both games were just so good. The fans, like hearing 80,000 fans on Sunday chant the Rangers goal song or just seeing the way the Devils fans showed out because the Devils were really the hosts on Friday night. Um, It was just really memorable to me. And I know the players appreciate it as well. So I love the stadium series games. I'm never going to get jaded about something like that again. And I'm pumped next year because we're going to the horseshoe. Yeah. And that I know is something that a lot of people in Ohio are just really excited about. Been waiting a long time. Have you ever been to Ohio Stadium? I have. So I went to Penn State. Mm, um, so right. that should be my mortal enemy. I should hate Columbus. <laughs> that's another city though. where like, I've walked around. I'm like, I should hate it here, but it's pretty cute and cool and artsy mm. and kind of funky and a lot of vibes. Um, and I covered college football and the NFL, especially one a year at Sports Illustrated. I covered the NHL, NFL draft. Um, so there were times where I was covering some Ohio State prospects and got out there. So I've seen what it looks like for a football game. I know that they're going to transform it into something mm. massive and cool for hockey. So pump for that. And getting to be at the stadium series, you know, you just talking about what a special event it was, but is it almost kind of, you know, a reminder to you of really the culture of hockey and just how much the fans, you know, in, in that setting, especially really just appreciate the game and love the game. Totally. Like, Again, I always almost saw the perspective that it was a TV event that like mm-hmm. it looks so cool on TV. But if you're there, the sight lines aren't the same if you're in an arena. Right. Like the even the 100 level or closest fans are so drawn back and it does sound different for the players and it feels different for the players at the same time. Just the energy of everyone around it, like especially that. I couldn't imagine like how many fans were tailgating hours in advance. And Mm -hmm. it was really cold. Like, I don't want to complain about the cold. Like, I don't want to be that girl. Uh, (laughs) We were set up with plenty of supplies from our ESPN production staff, like hand warmers and beanies and all of that. But the fact that they all showed up and showed their passion in such an authentic way, um, again, like it just rejuvenated me in a way that I felt really guilty for being jaded going in. But, um, you know, in this job, I feel like you always get these pinch me moments. Like, I can't believe I get to do that. I'm like, 
I can't believe I got to broadcast a hockey game in an NFL stadium. Like, how cool is it? Yeah. Yeah. Your two worlds kind of colliding there, having covered football. Exactly. <laughs> and then for being in my home state. And again, mm-hmm. just the celebration of all things tri-state area. Um, the fact that like we got to talk about bagels and diners on the broadcast. <laughs> and I got to dispel some of these dirty, dirty rumors that people have about New Jersey. Like People say it smells and it's true. It does smell on the highway that a lot of people <laughs> drive down because there's refineries there. That said, it is the Garden State. There's so much culture and cool things. And mm-hmm. I was just really proud to be able to show that off and proud that all the teams embrace just, you know, mm-hmm. showing off what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, another part of just the hockey culture and all that was the All-Star Weekend in Toronto this year. You were there. You were a part of it getting, I even saw to interview, you know, Justin Bieber and be a part of all that excitement. Um, how did this All-Star game kind of compare to some of the other ones? No, last year after the All-Star game, I don't think anyone felt great about it. The players didn't feel great about it. We had ESPN did, the league didn't. It just felt like the event had gotten kind of stale. Mm -hmm. And so they added so much extra juice in it this year that it was amazing. And everyone left saying that was a super fun weekend that showcased really the best of what our league can be about. The way that we revamped the skills competition, I think the only regret that maybe the league has, or maybe the only resentment that some players have is just that more players couldn't be involved Mm -hmm. because there's only 12 competing, but there were stakes. Like winner got a million dollars. Second place got nothing. Um, just the drama storyline. (laughs) Exactly. He was so Um, close, you know, (laughs) so close. And I'm sure he's going to be thinking about that, which matters, right? Like it means something to them, which was cool. Um, you know, the fact that Nikita Kucherov, I think if it started better for him, maybe he wouldn't have leaned in and stopped trying, uh, which he'd stopped doing. But the fact that like he was fine being the villain and kind of hamming it up for the fans booing him, like, I was cool with that. Like it was awesome. And then the game itself, you know, the way that they did incorporate celebrities and really relevant celebrities. Um, you probably know who Tate McRae is in our mm-hmm. fan because you're in the demographic. Most of my male colleagues or people older than me were like, who <laughs> she showed out and put mm-hmm. on a really great performance. Bieber is biggest celebrity that I think the NHL's ever had attached to an event like this. Will Arnett was such an authentic hockey fan that he was like geeking out to me of the fact that he got to meet Wendell Clark, his childhood hero, and then Buble just showing off personality in a way that none of us knew he had. (laughs) Um, It was it was like I left on a total high and just reminding myself that like what we do is entertainment and what we do is really fun. Where's a location that you'd like to see the All-Star Weekend at? Is there another one that you have in mind? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, next year is going to be fantastic because it's going to be not an all-star game. It's going to be um, the World Cup of Hockey and we get the four mm-hmm. nations and it's going to be sick and it's going to be, I think it's been announced yet, but in some Northeastern cities, if it hasn't been announced, I don't want to spoil that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year after that, they've committed to UBS, which is cool because it'll be the New York market and UBS is a gorgeous arena to meet Detroit. And I think Detroit is going mm-hmm. to get a massive NHL event soon. It's hockey town the history there, the way that they celebrate the fabric of the game. And I mean, just the passion for hockey. Every time I've been there the last couple of years, even though they've been in their playoff drought, um, it's at the core of who they are as people. And Little Caesars is one of the most beautiful arenas in the entire league. It's pretty new and it's just spectacular. I love any time I get to go there. I love the city of Detroit. That's another one that I've really gotten to explore. And I think a lot of people have some negative connotations about that would be dispelled if you just gave it a chance. So I'm looking forward to whenever the Detroit area gets, uh, or not Detroit area, the city of Detroit gets mm-hmm. a big league event. And I do think it's soon. 
I think having the NFL draft kind of has, you know, the leader there and then maybe the NHL will take a look at it. I think that's a good, good way to maybe segue. I didn't realize the NFL draft was there. It is. Yes. So my brother lives in Detroit and that's, he's all excited about it because he wants to go. So, um, yeah, that, that I feel like could maybe give the NHL the idea or you just did too. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Listen up Gary Bettman, but no, honestly in Detroit <laughs> and I'm pumped about the fact that that team is turning and it looks like they're on the right side of their rebuild now. And it was a long and painful process, but they got there. And so the team's exciting. The market's engaged, even though they were always engaged this entire time. Um, and the energy is definitely there in hockey town. Hockey town really is a special place. And they had an exciting win last night in Chicago, Patrick Kane, going back to Chicago, getting the overtime winner. You really couldn't write that script any better. What did you think about how that all unfolded also on Chris Chelios's, you know, retirement night? Firstly, and I really fortunate to be able to work with Chris Chelios when he worked at ESPN. One of the biggest rock stars that the NHL has ever seen. And the fact that he brought out all of his celebrity friends, like Cindy <laughs> Crawford, hitting that uh, half ice shot at uh, one mm-hmm. of the intermissions was same the way she was having up the crowd and Eddie Vedder I heard Michael Jordan was there him riding in a Cadillac with his mom to center ice like it was just so cool and I think the Blackhawks have done a really good job of honoring their legacy and their past and players like them and I just want to give them kudos for doing that completely right and also honoring Patrick Kane right because it didn't end in the best way and I think both sides Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks had a lot of professional respect for the other um, I think the Blackhawks at their deep core want to see Patrick Kane succeed and Patrick Kane will always revere what the Blackhawks meant to him and the large part of his career, but it was a business decision that they had to move on. Patrick Kane always believed in himself that he was still this elite player and he does still believe that he is showtime and he can put on these showtime events. And he has been absolutely spectacular since he got to the Detroit Red Wings. A lot of questions after he got this hip resurfacing surgery, mm-hmm. it didn't go well for Nicholas Backstrom. It has gone really well for him. He looks like his old self. He's a point per play game player for them. And like scoring a goal like that in overtime and with the swaggy silly that he had after, it was just like so storybook and perfect. So I live in Chicago. All my friends are buzzing about it. I just think it was such a great regular season game with just like a little extra juice. So it was fantastic. Did you see as a part of that game, the hit that Connor Bedard had on Patrick Kane? Sure did. Sure did. And I think, you know, I love what Patrick said afterwards, or he was kind of joking, but like, if that kid didn't have that bubble on, remember, he's still recovering from the broken jaw. Mm-hmm. Like I would have gone after him. Um, but another thing that I thought was really cool was just the respect that, you know, obviously Connor Bedard has for Patrick Kane. He says he's watched his mixtape on YouTube, like millions of times growing up. Um, and you see him even adopt some of his sellies after he scores. But Patrick Kane also speaking about Connor and the expectations that he has and the way that he works for everything he has. And that's why he knows he's going to be successful. Like those are the stories that I love best in the NHL, just like that true respect on respect. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry for uh, the background noise here, but we are in Chicago. You get a little ambient noise out here. We love it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's an authentic podcast, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. But no, it was just cool. And, you know, you could tell like that one, Connor is a, they're both competitors like they want to win mm-hmm. and the fact that Connor laid a hit like that on him um you know he's trying to prove something and he did certainly showing some confidence there you love to see it, it kind of reminds me earlier in the season for the Anaheim Ducks Pavel Mintikov laid a hit on Chris Letang and I just remember watching it and thinking wow you're gonna lay that hit on Chris Letang like go you Pavel Mintikov so uh, on the on the end of rookies I want to talk a little bit about that because you know you were at the draft as well a part of that 
Bedard, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, just some of the rookies around the league. Brock Faber, also a name that's really been emerging as of late. But uh, let's start with Leo Carlson. Just your impressions of him, you know, in his first season with the Anaheim Ducks after he went through managing his schedule early and just, you know, working on that development plan that Pat Verbeek had for him. If I had to use one word for Leo Carlson, it would be stud. Like the kid's the real deal. And I feel bad for some teams because you can win the draft lottery in a year and there's a consensus number one, and he's a really good player, but he's not the Connor Bedard or Sidney Crosby or Patrick Kane or a true franchise changer. And this year there was in Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks got lucky, but it feels like in any other year, Leo Carlson could have gone number one or Adam Fantilli could have gone number one. This was like a really special and deep high-end class. Um, I remember draft day, I started to hear some rumors that, you know, everyone thought that Fantilli was going to go to the Ducks. That was a longstanding belief. But no, that Leo Carlson was a Pat Verbeek type of player. And when I looked more into Leo Carlson and his past, just how competitive he is, how smart he is, um, and how athletic his ceiling can be. And the reason that he had that development plan was just because he's a teenager, like his mm -hmm. body needs to fill out still. Um, it makes total sense. And he looks like a player that can change a franchise. And I feel like the Ducks right now are probably a little bit ahead of where they thought they'd be in the rebuild because he's such a stud and because there's other great players around him that they've done a really good job drafting. So I'm so excited to cover this kid's career. Um, I also just love his confidence off the ice. Like he's got a swag about him. I remember, <laughs> you know, learning about how he loves sneakers and the NBA and the ball brothers and things like that. I'm like, how cool is that for a kid from Sweden? So mm -hmm. he's just, he's a special character, total stud on and off the ice. And the ducks are lucky to have him. And we are very lucky to have him. He's been a joy to work with this year. And his sneaker game really is very fire. I've noticed over, over the that. last couple months as well. But See, what have done well in Chicago. They love sneakers <laughs> that's here. That's true. Jordans. Yeah, the sneaker culture is very big in Chicago. I feel like that's kind of got, that's where I got my influence of it as well. Uh, in also looking at some of these other rookies, just uh, looking a little bit down the line, um, Rookie of the Year Calder Cup, uh, the Calder Trophy, excuse me. What exactly, I mean, just with Brock Faber kind of coming into that mix, have you had any thoughts on that end? Or do you think, you know, maybe Connor Bedard is so more solidified that? It's so tough because Brock Faber, what he's being asked to do, the minutes that he plays against other teams' top lines, we typically, if not, I can't remember a situation where a rookie defenseman was tasked with this. And he's thriving. And like in so many ways, mm -hmm. it should be a no brainer that this is the rookie of the year. Um, but if you're talking about best rookie and the way that they've completely transformed a team, like the Blackhawks are different when Connor Bedard is on the ice and when he's not, he is their best player by far. Um, and I just feel like the production that he has, I'm probably going to lean more towards Connor, even though. I don't know if I could feel good and sleep well at night because of it. So I haven't fully made my decision. Mm -hmm. It's still February. We'll see how the rest of it shakes out. And I know it's tough too, because Connor did miss a chunk of time. Um, but the fact yeah. that they have just like two absolute studs, it does make the conversation difficult. And just a reminder that we have exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center. Keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit Gettle.com slash Ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. 
And this time of the season, I mean, we're so close to the trade deadline. Teams are starting to, you know, look at potentially making moves. I know you just recently put out an article um, this week or over the weekend about the trade deadline, some of the big parts of it, the goalie market in particular. Uh, who, who are some names that you have your eye on as we get closer to that date at the end of next week? I think the best player available by far is Jake Gensel. And I do think it's increasingly likely that he will be on the move from Pittsburgh. He's a gamer. When he shows up in the playoffs, there's proof of concept. Like he elevates his game. And that's why the Penguins have a really high asking price for him. And I think it's going to be met because there's so many teams that are interested in him. I'm curious about Scott Lawton. Like the Flyers have been very clear. Danny Breer told me, we are not shopping Scott Lawton. However, if a team gives us an offer we can't refuse, that changes the conversation. And I do think the momentum is that he potentially could get traded. Um, and then the goalies, like, I'm just so curious. Jacob Markstrom got so close to getting traded to New Jersey earlier this month. Does the conversation re-engage over there? Mm -hmm. You say sorrows. It feels like Yaroslav Askarov is just absolutely crushing it in the AHL. Maybe this is the time to move sorrows. So much goaltending thirst around the league. You know, Los Angeles also needs a goalie. Colorado needs a backup goalie. Um, so, those are the names that I'm most curious about and we'll see how the whole uh, thing shakes down. Yeah, it's coming up really quickly. And I know that there certainly has been some buzz in Anaheim here as we get closer to that date. Anything in particular on the Ducks end that you're going to be watching? Yeah, I'm just curious how active they're going to be. I tried mm -hmm. asking that to Pat Verbeek a couple of weeks ago. Not shockingly, he gave me a pretty coy answer. <laughs> uh, he's, he's really good at keeping things tight to his vest, but uh, you know, there's so many players that I think other teams covet and, for the Ducks, I still think they believe they're in their rebuild. And, you know, they are. They, you know, are trying to build us the right way. And fans should feel excited about that because once they really start pushing for the playoffs, that means that they think they're ready. Remember, Pat Verbeek worked so closely with Steve Eiserman. And think of how patient Stevie Y had to be with Detroit to get to the point where they are today. Even last year, they were right in the playoff mix and they were trading around with players because he's like, I just don't believe in this group yet. Mm -hmm. So I know that there are a bunch of guys. Adam Henrique is one of the really intrigued teams because of how smart he is, because of, you know, that experience that he has. I think there's a good chance that he does move. Frank Petrano is one I'm curious about. Does anyone want to pay up? Because I think they're going to hold a pretty high asking price. Um, and, you know, obviously everyone's curious about Trevor Zegers. And from what I understand, you know, the Ducks are saying, like, we're not shopping him. But, like, if you call us and have a really great offer, we'll listen because we have to build for the future. I don't think Zegos. I think he stays. But there's a lot of intrigue surrounding the Ducks for sure. So, I'm sure fans really can't wait to March 9th and see how it all shakes out. As far as where we're at in the season to just in looking at each of the conferences and, you know, what teams have really emerged, the, you know, more the bubble teams and all that, uh, as if you look at the Eastern conference, who's a team that you're intrigued by start with the East. The Florida Panthers. I don't know if they're getting enough love. I mean, the way that they've been able to build off of the Eastern Conference or the, well, sorry, Stanley Cup final, Eastern Conference champion, Stanley Cup final mm -hmm. appearance that they had last year. No one really expected. You know, I think everyone's like, eh, is this a flash in a pan? But the style that GM Bill Zito and coach Paul Maurice have implemented there, it's really demanding both physically and mentally for the players, but they've all bought in and it's such a tough tile to beat. Sergei Bobrovsky is having a renaissance. You have to credit their goaltending excellence department for really working with him. And then the high-end talent that they have. Like, I just think they're a really, really tough team. How about in the West? The West, you know, I came to pick the two Stanley Cup finalists, but like 
the Golden Knights are a damn good hockey team. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Aiden Hill has come back and just looks as good as he had at the end of last year. I think a lot of people are curious about the Oilers. Like it feels like Connor McDavid's year. They had the coaching change and then mm-hmm. the win streak. But the Golden Knights have their number and they're just tough. They're just so talented, so veteran. And you know the way that they operate, it's in their DNA. Everyone's going to kind of roll their eyes about the LTIR space, but they go for it. They're aggressive. And I don't think that this roster is done. I think they're going to add, and I'm curious to see who they do. It's also pretty special in this year that ESPN has the Stanley Cup final again in addition to the playoffs. Will you be a part of that? Yeah, no, I feel really fortunate. Our broadcast team with Sean McDonough and Ray Ferraro. And, um, you know, last year was amazing. Like, I love the playoffs anytime we get to have it. But then to all say goodbye at the end of the conference finals, like, it was just like, wait, summer camp's not over yet. Like, we got two more weeks. So to see it through, to be able to be on the ice again as a Stanley Cup is awarded and, you know, just that pure raw emotion on the player's face. And then the other best part is when their family gets to come down on the ice and sharing it with people who are along the journey with them, you know, whether it's youth and junior coaches, wives, girlfriends, parents, kids. Um, it's, it's just, that's the best. You talk about raw emotion. You had a pretty cool interview over the weekend with Matt Rempe uh, with the Rangers. He's had quite the first week in the NHL, being very honest with you, uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, he's just so refreshing. Um, he's a young <laughs> kid and he's clearly a late bloomer. I think everyone is going to want to peg him now as a goon because he keeps getting into fights. <laughs> I does. think that's why he was brought up, uh, you know, to kind of give this team a spark. But he's a better skater than people are giving him credit for. He's got a little bit of an offensive touch. And I think that he has a higher ceiling than that. But what I love most about him is he's just authentic. And in that interview, you could tell he's just taking it all in himself. <laughs> You know, I've talked like imagine his first ever game is at the outdoor game and he gets to take a solo lap in front of 60, 70,000 people. It was also six year anniversary to the day when his father passed away. Um, Tragically, mm. he was shoveling snow in Calgary and had a heart attack. Oh. And so to have his mother and his sister there and share that moment um, and just the emotions that he had and then just to ride it through, um, you know, sometimes these players get jaded and they also are conditioned not to speak about themselves and say you or we, and just, you know, suck all of the personality out of them. So to have kind of like this kid who's soaking all in almost like a puppy dog and just really enjoying it and to share that in a really authentic way, especially in that bench interview that we did in Philadelphia, um, has been really refreshing and you just root for good stories in this league. So I hope he continues on to prove that. Yeah, that was really awesome. And didn't know that about, you know, his background. So, wow, what what an amazing way to come out in the NHL, your first game and just have that outdoor game. As far as your schedule for this upcoming next couple of weeks, uh, anything you're looking forward to, anything that you can share that you have on the schedule? Yeah, well, it's a trade deadline March 8th. So obviously, you know, all hands on deck there and we'll have a show on ESPN too. Um, but we have our Saturday ABC games now, which is the second mm-hmm. half of the season, which are amazing showcase for hockey. And I think brings it to a next level accessibility, right? Because it's, um, you know, in most households and you get to, you know, the viewers spike. So this Saturday we are going to Detroit, which as you could tell from my previous conversation, I get excited about because I love being there. I'm really curious about their team. So um, I'm pumped for that. It's the Red Wings versus the Panthers. So I think that's Mm. going to be an electric game. And then with some of the interviews that you've done this year, any stories that you've been able to take away from maybe some of the other players uh, besides Matt Rempe that we just talked about um, that you've been really impressed with or that have kind of just stuck out to you? 
Yeah. You know, I think the Patrick Kane story, I got to go do a sit down with him, um, you know, right before he debuted in Detroit and just to know how much work he put in to come back. And even though he's won every single thing that there is to win in this league <laughs> and still has that fire and passion inside him because he knows he still has more to give and he just loves the sport so much. That was infectious to me. So uh, that was a special one. And then being able to track Connor Bedard's rookie season has been really fun. You know, I live here in Chicago and seeing him come out of his shell a little bit personality wise, but also just thrive on the ice, despite the massive expectations that have been on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to give credit to that kid. One more for you before I let you go. The PWHL, have you been following along in their first season? I have, and it's exceeded all expectations, quite frankly. Like I've gotten to know a lot of these women, um, especially the ones that are right around my age. And Mm -hmm. it's just been so frustrating for them that they've never really had this league um, to showcase. And it felt like, you know, it did rush a little bit, you know, they got the funding and they're like, go, 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 go. (laughs) And not everything was settled in yet. You know, they didn't even have broadcast rights until a couple of weeks before puck drop. But the way the fans have showed out, the way the TV ratings have really uh, reflected the success and then just the level of play that they've had. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just so happy for them. And I'm just, I'm happy for them because, you know, in a lot of ways, I think they're sick of talking about having to inspire the next generation, even though it's so important mm-hmm. to be that visible face to show those young girls that there is a league or a path for you. Now we just get to talk about like the games and them as players and just them as athletes. And I think that's such an important next layer to this, because if you really want equality, you have to treat them equally. And we're never asking the NHL players, what do you help to inspire the young boys out there? We're saying, what did you see on that goal? Or like, why is it not right. working for you lately? And now to be able to ask those women the same questions, um, I think is fantastic. That's a really good point and totally agree with that. It's It's been awesome to see their season come about and just all the fans that have been attending their games as well. I mean, 19,000 in Toronto not too long ago. Insane. It, it's, it's really amazing. It's awesome. Love to see it. So, uh, Emily, this has been great having you join us today on Light the Lamp Duck Stream here really great to catch up and uh, hopefully we see you down the road in Anaheim at some point. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to it. And I just want to reiterate, Alexis, like you're killing it. I'm so proud of you. I watched you on the pre and post game shows and company women. I watched the games on ESPN plus here, but obviously in your local market. So uh, keep being you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more hockey talk on Duck Stream presented by Gettle. And get your home cozy with Gettle Rejuvenation for just $129. We'll prep your HVAC for the season so you're ready to cheer on our ducks. Call 866-671-9822 or visit gettle.com slash ducks. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.